You're listening to the Savvy Painter Podcast, episode number 10. Welcome to the Savvy Painter Podcast, the podcast for artists who mean business. Here's your host, Antrees Wood. Hey, Antrees here, and welcome to another edition of the Savvy Painter Podcast. I just wanted to take a quick second to thank everyone who's been leaving such great reviews on iTunes. Because of you guys already, we have gotten on iTunes new and notable. I just found out last week, as a matter of fact, when I was at the Social Media Marketing Expo in San Diego, somebody was giving a presentation and they used the front page of iTunes new and notable podcast section for their presentation and our podcast was up there. It was so exciting to see that and it's all because of you. So thank you very, very much. And if you have not left a review yet, but you would like to, you can do that by going to SavvyPainter.com forward slash review. There's a quick little tutorial there for you if you're not sure how to do it and a direct link to iTunes. So again, thank you so, so much. That helps other people find the show. And I'm so honored and happy that this is resonating with you. So on with the show. Natasha Westcote is with us today. Natasha is an artist who has had tremendous success selling her work through Facebook and also by licensing. We can easily fill an entire show with just one of those topics, but I'm going to attempt to get through them both. Natasha, thanks so much for talking with me today. Thank you for having me on. I know you've been selling your work through eBay and Facebook and other social media outlets for the past 10 years. But I'd like to jump right in, though, and talk a little bit about how you were able to sell over, it was $50,000 on Facebook, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about that and how you jumped in on Facebook and what that was like for you. Sure. I've built up a bit of a following. I'd been, you know, selling my work online since 2004, offering original paintings and prints that I printed from, you know, my own studio. And... When it came to Facebook, it was a little bit of an experiment at the time because I was going through a little bit of changes with the way that I was running my business, the way that I was taking my art career. And I really just thought that Facebook was not really going to be around for long. I thought it was going the way of MySpace for a while there. And a lot of my friends were even thinking, you know, it's all Twitter. No, don't go to Facebook. It's just junk, you know. <laughs> and... um. I think it was 2010, I actually started actively using it. I had about 100 fans on there, and I wasn't ever on there, wasn't posting anything. And I did some pretty cool stuff with Twitter that worked, and I thought, I'll try, I'll try Facebook. I feel like there's a lot of people on there. It might be useful. Oh, what the heck? So I posted one of my original paintings. I just you know, took a candid picture even. I didn't photograph it professionally and have it scanned in and edited like I usually do with all of my um, photos for listing. And I just took it with my camera real quick, posted it on there and said, I have this available in my studio. If anyone would like to make an offer on it, it's yours. And I didn't really think I was going to even sell that. I just thought, you know, maybe just want to say, oh, that's pretty, you know. Right. <laughs> and, and I had a couple of offers like right away within half an hour. And I was kind of surprised because I didn't think anyone was really on there. I really paying attention to the post that I was putting on there. So and I started doing that. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. And, and this was when you had um, you had just 100 followers and you just pop that up there and somebody makes an offer. Yes, correct. Amazing. Okay, go on. And then, you know, I started posting them a little by little. 
for the next few weeks and ended up becoming a regular thing. It was uh, 2011 and I was literally just before I would list work on any of my other venues or on my website, I would offer it first to my Facebook fans. And I think they really enjoyed that, um, that little sneak peek preview kind of offer. And I allowed them basically to make a bid and the highest person that would um, bid on the piece got to, you know, purchase it. So it worked out really well and, and it increased the um, engagement on there. And I built up fans quite fast. I think it was mainly the people that had followed me before in the beginning were just adding me on there and started paying attention. And it was literally, it was that year that I made that much just specifically on Facebook through either selling those paintings that I had in my studio or, you know, I started offering prints and limited editions as well. Nice. Nice. Very cool. So you were able to use sort of, I mean, I like that tactic of making it sort of an exclusive thing that only your Facebook followers can get. That's a really nice tip for people, I think, to be able to engage your, to use something that engages your your fans and gives them something that that is unique to that media. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that really I think was what was key in the beginning was creating that um, exclusivity on there. Mm-hmm. And when you um, for your on your Facebook page, I know a lot of people um, are asking about this or kind of I don't know if they're confused about it, but just kind of like trying to figure out what the best tactic is. Do you go through a personal Facebook page or do you have like a business page? Um, I specifically use the business page. I think that's the best route. And why do you think that? Um, well, one is uh, Facebook actually has a rule where they do not want people to actually advertise uh, or sell on their profile. I'm not sure if that's still current, but when I started, I was told um, that they don't allow that, which is weird. I don't understand it because they allow you to promote posts and stuff like that on there. But um, it it's just, it has that little more officialness about it. Um, when it's just your profile, there's some limitations to it. But um, I mean, if someone wants to, they can actually, there's a tool on Facebook that allows you to turn your profile into a page. So um, it's not a huge deal which one you decide to use because they have the ability to allow people to subscribe to your profile. You have the ability to even, you know, advertise, promote your posts. I'm not exactly sure, though, (laughs) right now if that means that they allow you to um, sell things on your profile. But you can do things that way if you want to in the beginning and then maybe later change it to a page. But I, I think it's really important to create that official page. Right, right, gotcha. And when you, you started, I know you carried over, you had just an enormous following on um, through all this stuff that you did on eBay and on Twitter and all this stuff. And when you were on Facebook with 100, 100 followers or 100 fans, how did you, what, what text did tactics did you use to grow that base? Um, the very uh, most important thing I think that I had implemented and I did it kind of unconsciously and now I realize that it's really important is getting people to um, interact and talk about themselves. So 
I did a lot of things where I was a little more personal. You know, I'd share little pieces of my life, post photos of my children or maybe something I was working on in the house. Or, you know, I would do things like ask people questions. How is how are they liking this month, the weather, <laughs> or, you know, it's really simple things right. or, you know, something on like a movie coming up or a book that I'm reading. And that's really, really, really been the key and getting people involved and actually passively, um, passively promoting my art because when they're on there and they're talking to people and other fans on the page and talking with me, they want to catch up on what's going on on this page that they might have missed because, you know, some days they miss something I posted on the page or something like that. So they'll go through the photos, they'll go through my sales I happen to have had or are still running and they'll end up buying things. So it's really kind of neat how that works. It's just been a matter of getting people to talk and get involved in conversations that are completely unrelated really to the artwork. But then do you sort of focus the conversation back to your artwork or you're also talking about that or are the conversations mainly just sort of like cocktail chat? I think it's been a combination of, you know, yeah, the cocktail chat, the water cooler chat. And (laughs) I, I do try to kind of thread in topics that would be related to art. So you know, for example, um, I posted a video one day I found of an elephant that was painting trees. And, <laughs> and that's quite a story, you know, the, the stuff that is involved in that story, the back story behind it. And that, you know, kind of connected. And then, you know, I, I talk about things similar to this, you know, things that kids are doing in art and science or whatever it is. So, yeah, I try to make sure I'm not too off topic, but I try to do things where um, – I'm sharing a little bit of my personality behind, you know, so they see the person behind the artwork. And I think that's important. Mm-hmm, definitely. And do you have specific tactics you use that sort of converts those, those followers or fans into buyers? I try to make sure I have a variety of things that I'm offering um, because, you know, a lot of artwork can be pretty high priced and, you know, there's a lot of people who are going to love your work, but they can never, ever afford it. And so I try to make sure that there's something that's available to them as well. So doing the print sales, offering a special print, um, sometimes offering a special limited edition, that's been really helpful in converting people from just, you know, being passively um, admirers and turning them into buyers. So um, making sure things that are, are more affordable and available without, you know, um, compromising what you want to get out of your um, business. Right, right. Do you also advertise on Facebook? I do now. As soon as they started offering promoted posts, I actually uh, went ahead and I tested them out to see how they would work and what would be involved, how much it would actually cost to be successful and that kind of thing. So every once in a while... Yeah, I still regularly will pay for either post or to to promote the page. I know there's so many options in there. Like there's the simple hit a button and promote this page, this post for $5 or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then you can go much deeper and you can get in and you can really target that ad or that that promotion or whatever it is they're calling it now. I think they stopped calling it Facebook ads. (laughs) Have you done research on your audience so you know who to target or how do you manage that so you're not just kind of doing a really big blanket I want to show this to everyone. Yeah, and this is where the conversations actually come in. So, 
you know, I've, I spent a good year or two actually just getting to know these people through those conversations I was making and asking questions and, you know, putting on polls too. I forgot about that, you know, putting on polls for questions on what their favorite artwork is or some things in like lifestyle questions, what they do on their vacation, what do they do in the summer, things like that. So I had a pretty good handle on the kind of people that follow me, what their um, kind of income was, if they had a family or not, if they were single, if they traveled, where they lived. So I had a pretty good handle. And um, I did a variety of the just basic promote your page or promote your post without any details. And I've done the narrowing down and adding specific information like an age range, gender, country. It gives you all that stuff and you can even um, target them based on what pages they like. So that's been extremely helpful because if you're narrowing it down, you're not you're not throwing a little stone in a big ocean. <laughs> you're you're throwing the stone in a little pond and you're going to get more results from that. So I've done a little combination where, you know, for example, those auctions I was doing, I would promote, excuse me, I would promote um, a print that I was offering for sale and I would boost the post as they call it for $20. And I narrowed it down to an age range, 25 to 35. Um, Maybe their interests were hiking um, a certain television show. I just try to be very careful. I mean, it's it's not pretty dangerous if you guess wrong. Did you do that, for example, a specific television show or or hiking, for example? Did you did you pick those categories just to bring it down so that you're not competing so much with other advertising for that space, or was it because you knew from all the questions and polls that, for example, people who like hiking like your artwork? Yeah, both. Definitely. Um, I, I had a little handle on it and, you know, a lot of it's guesswork based on what I had heard. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's ever really hurt me at all, but it's really important for that whole narrowing it down. So I'm not competing. So that really helped me not have to, um, fight with other people who were showing up in people's timelines. And so, you know, I'd post a print and I would promote it for 20 bucks. And what was really cool that I always remind artists, especially those who are kind of scared of advertising and spending money, you know, I'd get to a certain point where I made the amount of sales I wanted and I could pause it or stop it. And I only spent maybe a dollar, five dollars, and it, it reached a lot of people. It's strange how that works. It's really, it's really nice. So um, I approached it that way and I would do this differently with all kinds of things. If I had a video or a photo I want to promote, I would, I would do that again like that way and then stop it whenever I felt like I got what I wanted. But of course, you know, you can keep it running and it goes on for um, up, I think up to three days. Uh, okay. And that's for the promote this post for five twenty bucks or whatever it is that, that you choose because you can choose how much you want to spend on promoting that particular post. Yeah. And you can also do Facebook advertising where you say, okay, I'm going to run this week, for example, and put a, an end time to it or just let it run indefinitely and say, you know, spend five bucks a day on this. Right. Is that right? And do you use that also or what are, are some other? Um, yeah, every once in a while. Have you established a budget for yourself? Like not... A specific, I'm not saying like give me a specific amount of how much you spend on your advertising, <laughs> but just the, that tactic of 
within your business, within your art business, is there a percentage or certain amount or how much do you invest in promoting your work and promoting your services? I try, you know, I've done it so grassroots for so long that I still try to stick to what I've been using all these years. But at first I didn't when I was experimenting just to figure out how much I would probably cost for it to be successful. But right now I try to keep to a budget. I don't spend a whole lot actually. I still, you know, get a lot of response from the social media that I've done all these years, but it's really, really invaluable. I think that's really been a game changer in, in promoting and marketing art on there because it's so much more affordable than I imagined it would be. You know, I, I, when I was younger and I started out, I thought it'd be costing me thousands of dollars to advertise, but it's really not that bad. And every once in a while I'll promote my page, not regularly, but when I feel like I want to get more and, or maybe I'm doing something special that month, I will promote my, my page for a little bit. And other than that, you just put, you promote specific posts or specific paintings you want to sell. Is that how you're doing it? Yeah. I think that's been more um, effective than actually just promoting the page itself, promoting a post because it shows up in the timeline and people are seeing it. It's almost conversational. So they see maybe their friend likes the page. It'll show up as so-and-so likes Natasha Westcoat and um, it will show the post that I promoted. So I think that's been really, really a lot more interesting than just having a little ad on the right side that says like this page or whatever. So (laughs) I don't think anyone even looks at the, well, I don't, I can tell you, I never look at the right side (laughs) of the page. I'm just looking through my feed. Like the right side is just, you know, Stuff that I have to put up with, you know. <laughs> like I yeah, really exactly. Don't pay I don't think to. anyone really looks at that. I, I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what they're going to do with that because they have to know that, you know. They have to mm-hmm. realize that 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 after a certain point, people just don't want to see that. Right. What have you learned about being authentic with your community? I mean, you've been doing this for so long, and you have such a um, a good connection with your community. What are some things that you've learned about interacting with them? I noticed that it's been very, very valuable to be more personal. And I know that's really hard. I mean, just for anyone, but for artists really to expose themselves and expose their work to be afraid of rejection and, and anything like that. Um, and it's been really, really awesome. The, the closer I've got to these people and the more involved and interested I really am in them, um, it's changed it's really, it's really um, benefited my career to get to know these people. So I try to be as open as I can with them, you know, to a degree sharing parts of my life and what I'm doing and anything I'm involved in that's outside of my work as well. Um, And, and getting to know how to express myself better because, you know, I paint pictures and I can express myself there, but writing had always been a challenge for me. Right. I can uh, definitely relate to that because I think as artists, we're such visual people. And I think there's a tendency among artists to be pretty introverted and, you know, kind of hold their cards pretty close to their their chest. Yeah. 
I mean, it's one thing I think to put your artwork out, and I think that's a a bridge that that people learn to cross, and they become more comfortable getting their work out and putting it out. You know, you have that when you first start painting. You know, it's just kind of like, oh, I don't know if I should show this, and you're a little <laughs> bit timid about it, and and then you start showing it, and you get some feedback on it, and and you learn how to improve it, and you learn that you can put it out there, and. You're not going to have like a billion trolls coming at you telling you like, you're <laughs> awful, you're terrible. I mean, the majority of those honestly are, are in our own heads. Right, exactly. It really, it really doesn't happen all that often at all. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think that being authentic with your community is just enormously important, but it's also, you know, trying to figure out where that line is of what, what's interesting to them. Mm-hmm. It's good because, you know, if they are really interested in you, they're going to, they're pretty much going to be interested in what you're talking about. They want to hear what's going on and, you know, hear about your, your dog that you're always talking about or something, yeah. you know, but. <laughs> so, um, yeah, those are some, those are some really good points on, on, um, on how to use Facebook. Do you have any suggestions for somebody who's just trying to figure Facebook out, like how they can get started with it? Yeah, um, one is don't be afraid for don't be afraid of how many little amount of fans you might get in the beginning because you know it takes time. It could take a year or two. It could take a couple years to build a pretty good amount, and it's really about the quality, not the quantity of the amount you know of people that are following you. And actually, really, it's you've got a huge advantage because you can get to know every single person that's a fan when it, you're small. Um, right. uh, secondly, just play around with the tools. Get to know how to use the page insights section. That's a really cool thing because um, that, that's where your stats are. It shows who's following you, what country they're from, what the age range is. That's where you're going to get all your demographics, actually, that in the beginning that will be really helpful when you start advertising for new people to follow you. Nice. Um, and for the yeah. for people who don't really know about the those statistics, yeah, they are really really cool. Like I used to obsess on them, and I went as soon as you said that, I realized, oh my gosh, I haven't looked in forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But tell tell the listeners what's there and and how you use it. Yeah. So Facebook uh, Insights. This is really cool, especially if you haven't had a lot of conversations with your fans yet, and you've got um, some people following you. This is the page that you can click on at the top of your your page um, on the web browser or whatever, Mm -hmm. and it will show you country, age range, how many people from that country. Um, I'm trying to think right off the back because I'm not on that page right now. Um, There's a whole bunch of different things, and you can even actually go in and find out what other pages they're liking. and it really gives you a really great idea on things that you could talk about with them and things they might be interested in. So this is really good to look at, you know, every month at least and check out what's going on, what's changing. And it really will help you when you start to consider actually promoting posts and promoting your page as well. Um, so get to know that. Um Get to know how to use Facebook apps because they have a lot of things in the site that you can add to your Facebook. Like you can connect your Instagram, you can connect your Twitter account to it, and it will show up as a little page button on the right side under um, the banner and information 
of your page mm-hmm. that people can click on. It's almost like a little website, the way it works. And what are your favorite apps that you use? I have it connected to my Twitter, and I like that because I can have my Facebook post automatically tweet out. I don't have to worry about updating my Twitter if I wanted. And that really helps shorten up the overwhelm, especially when you're a beginner. I think that's really nice to be able to set it up so that you have your social media, your main ones connected, and you don't have to be posting all over the place by hand manually. I also like to take advantage of the fact that your Facebook page lets you blog right on there. So people forget the notes section. You can actually develop your blog right on there if you wanted and it would show up in the timeline and the video spot as well. You don't even need YouTube. You can upload and even record your videos right there on your YouTube page. So yeah, so you can get some stuff that's really specific to Facebook. Yeah. How do you integrate your Facebook activity with your blog? Um, I really, I actually put together some kind of a schedule and a calendar so I can tell what I want to update and when I'm going to update it. And I like to use a tool called Hootsuite. Hootsuite.com. Mm-hmm. They have this really awesome system where you can connect all of your social media and your blog together. And you can see what you've posted, if you've scheduled anything, because you can schedule things on there and have it post to everything all at once at any time that you want, which is really cool. Yeah, Hootsuite's great. And they've got some really good statistics in there also. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, that's how I handle it mostly. I mean, sometimes it's still stressful because I I do a lot of different stuff too. Yeah. But I try to actually plan out my week and I'll write my blog posts ahead of time and I will decide when it's going to post on my Twitter and my Facebook and stuff like that. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that scheduling for me, at least, it sounds like for you is so important. It's more just about keeping everything kind of in perspective and under control and seeing what you're going to do for the next week. Um, So Mm -hmm. even like sometimes I still like I will schedule stuff using Hootsuite or, or, you know, I kind of have a database so I can kind of keep an eye on when things are going out. But sometimes I just want to go in there by hand because it's more personal that way or there's something that I think of. But at least Mm -hmm. I know that there is content that's going out and it keeps my brain You know, like if I'm really busy on something else, then it's okay because I know that for that week at least I have, you know, at least some interesting content going out for people who are wanting to know what's going on. Right. Those schedules, so key. I don't know how, um, I know when I'm not doing it because I start to feel really like, oh my God, did I do this? And wait, I forgot (laughs) to post on that. And oh my gosh, it's been like three weeks since I've done that. Holy, how did that happen? Yes, I've done the same thing. I've stressed myself right out. I thought I had to be everywhere and I didn't know what I finished. I couldn't remember stuff. So (laughs) yeah, yeah. Spreadsheets and getting organized, so important (laughs) because you Mm -hmm, drive yourself crazy so fast. So um, let's switch gears a little bit. I know you have been selling your original artwork and you also license prints and textiles Mm -hmm. and various merchandising. So if you don't mind, let's talk a little bit about licensing. Sure. How How did you get your first licensing deal? It's funny. I signed up for a program on online on a site called art.com. And back in the day, they didn't have these other things that they offered for artists, you could actually go right on their site, sign up for an account and upload your artwork to be made as prints that they would print on demand. So 
when someone would purchase the print, they would print it and send it out themselves and I would get a royalty fee. And it was great. I, I got some exposure just from that and actually had drawn other licensing companies who had found me on there. And I think my very first licensing deal, I'm trying to remember, it's been a while. I think it was the Tapestry Company, this Tapestry Company, um, Pure Country. And they developed a several different wall tapestries and throw rugs and stuff like that. And that was really nice. Um and it just kind of grew from there. And how do you how do you figure out what licensing deals are good for you? Like, have you? I mean, I you've been doing this for ten years. I know you've made probably. I've read your blog, and I know <laughs> you talk about this. But you've made like every mistake in the book, right? And now you're teaching yeah. these courses so that other people don't have to. But if you don't mind, can we talk a little bit about that? About some of the licensing issues, like what people should look out for? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so yeah, I feel like I've made every mistake that is humanly possible. One was when I started out as an artist, I did not keep high resolution files of my best work or any of my work really. So when I started out trying to sell art prints and I really wanted to get into licensing, I didn't have a collection to show. I didn't have a portfolio. Everything was like really random and the file sizes I had, they were like the worst quality. When I tried to start with art.com, actually they had had to call me by phone and say, (laughs) Natasha, you're, tiles are kind of, they're pixelated. These are not going to work. You got to do something about it. And, you know, I had to to get to the point where I had to teach myself how to photograph stuff. I went to a print house first because I couldn't afford the printer yet. And I'd gotten in deals where I worked with companies who bought the rights away from me and I didn't know it because I wasn't watching the contract. And I had to learn how to read things and negotiate because they should never take away your rights to the artwork. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Um, wow, that's scary. Yeah. And and you know, and there's some companies that are just bad news. Um I have one actually I've been actually still fighting to get it to, to end. Um I've had it for a couple of years now. They were really difficult to work with. They demanded a lot of things really quickly. They didn't like it, wanted me to keep working, didn't like it. And then it took them forever to give me any reports. I still get no reports from them. Um, I don't know what's selling, but they're everywhere. I've got these prints from this company all over the country, and I don't know if they're selling. They've got to be, and I'm getting no money. So stuff like that is really dangerous because people can take advantage of you. you. You want to believe that everyone is looking out for you and they're very professional, but some, some companies just don't run like they should. So the things I learned were number one, um, protect my rights and make sure everything that I, I do is going to keep, you know, I'm going to keep my rights. And secondly, uh, work with companies that are willing to talk to you, negotiate the issues are very helpful, very communicative and give you reports on every that they do with them, what what sells, what's not working, they will send you that information on a monthly or quarterly basis. So those are the main things. <laughs> nice. Um, 
that I fixed and learned how to do. I had to figure that out on my own. And when you when you said that you learned how to how to protect your rights and how to read the contract so that you knew that you weren't selling your your rights away, what were they doing? Were they slipping work for hire language in there, or what specifically should people like? Are there any words that people should just run away from when they see it in a contract that just totally? for lack of a better word, screwed you over um, when you were doing <laughs> I think, yeah, so I think the two main things to watch for when looking over the contracts, and I wish I could remember the wordage, I should have a paper next to me, but I don't, um, is number one, watch for things that say um, we retain the rights to the image for sometimes we'll say one year to three years. They should not have any rights to the image. You keep the rights to the image. They are only getting the ability to reproduce and sell um, the licensed image. And then second, um, make sure that they're not asking for exclusivity. Exclusivity means they're going to you know, sign a contract with you that basically says, only we are allowed to sell prints of this image or whatever product it is that you're working with them on. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you'll work with a company where you might actually uh, negotiate something where you work on a collection of work that's exclusively licensed to them for a certain amount of years and then it's released to where you can license it to other companies. That's totally normal and that's usually kind of a nice um attractive thing to them because you're you're making something that's just going to be seen with them. Um, that's okay. But in general, never, ever, ever, ever sign a deal where only they are allowed to license your work because that limits your ability to get other licensing deals and do other things that you want to do with your artwork. For example, in that case where you are saying like, okay, I'll give you exclusive rights for a year. Have you seen language in, in, your, in what you're doing where the exclusivity is for a region or is it for a time period? I have seen that. Some of them have been, you know, exclusivities to certain countries. Some of them were exclusive online or only exclusive in-house in their shop. And that's been... Uh, it's, it's helped a little bit when they don't want to work with you any other way. And it's a really good opportunity. It's a really huge company. Then sometimes this is okay. I've done that with some companies where I had to be exclusive with them for like hotel kind of business arrangements Mm -hmm. or, you know, working with hospitality and stuff like that. But I had another company that wanted to do something similar, but they didn't sell the hospitality. So that was okay then. But in general, just try to avoid things like that in the beginning until you really get a handle on it and and what the opportunities are and, and what the risks and what the pros and cons are really. Gotcha. Gotcha. And when you do that, when you when you do decide that that limited exclusivity is right for what your goals are and what you're doing, do you charge an extra percentage for that or how does that how does that work? Usually it's it's normal, but if you can, I would try to charge just a little bit more. Sometimes the company is willing to negotiate just a little bit more percentage. Gotcha. Very cool. And have you found in your work, I know you have kind of a broad range of work, but do you find that certain types of artwork lend themselves better to licensing? Absolutely. Though I, I don't discourage any fine artists or abstractionists 
from pursuing that. There is a market for fine art in so many different ways. But really, when you have sets of collections that can be licensed because companies really like to work with artwork that they can put on sets of things, completed, you know, like dishware, things that are for different rooms, but really things that are representational. How do I explain it? Um, Artwork that has a specific subject or a theme, that's really, really licensable. It's a lot more marketable than, say, an abstract painting or something of the fine art nature. So while I say that, I'm telling you there's still a lot of opportunity for fine art. Gotcha. Are there websites that you can recommend where uh, people want to get more information on that or to see what other people are doing in some of those licensing venues that you would recommend? Yeah, definitely. There's two people that I follow that are really, 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 really helpful with artists in this category. One is Maria Brophy. Her site is Maria Brophy, B-R-O-P-H-Y.com. And she actually manages her husband's art career. He is a surf artist and he creates a lot of um, really cool like pop art kind of scenery. And she has a really good handle on what works and what doesn't and has a lot of help for artists specifically on licensing. And then another lady I know, her name is Tara Reed. She is basically a commercial licensed artist and she does a lot of work with artists who want to go commercial and want to find a way to kind of marry fine art with commercial art. And she has a lot of information on her site too. Hers is artlicensinginfo.com, I believe. Yeah, but there's a lot of um, stuff out there. But those two sites I really highly recommend for looking into that specific thing. Very, very cool. And I guess, yeah, for a lot of this stuff, you can go, there's licensing conventions and all sorts of stuff for people who are who are really into this, right? Do you oh, ever go to those? Yeah. Yeah, I actually have not attended any yet, and I want to. There's two big ones that I highly recommend. One is Surtex, and this is really great because the the market is a huge range from fine art to illustration to fabric design. You know, there's artists that specifically just create designs for fabric and textiles. So this is a really huge one that even just to attend to get some experience and connect with the people in the industry is a good idea. And then there's another huge one. I believe it's in Las Vegas every June. It's the Licensing Expo. And that is just, that's not as art-based, but it's a huge one and lots of great information at that. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. Well, Natasha, I think I could probably like keep talking to you for another hour, but (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's so much information. But just one last question. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing with the Art Academy. And, you know, because for people who want to dig deeper in this, I know you offer that and you've got tons of resources on your website. And so tell me a little bit about the Academy for people who want to, you know, dig deeper into what you're doing. Sure. I myself, I felt like there hasn't been a lot out there specifically online to educate and you know, equip artists with the ability to market and sell their work to be independent and self-represented. So I'm actually, with Art Career Academy, I'm developing courses that are specifically geared to teaching artists how to leverage social media, um, web business, and e-commerce, and how to do it 
the right way. So my first course I just launched is the Artist Blueprint Plan, and that's literally a really in-depth training on how to develop a specific business plan as an artist and strategies and step-by-step tutorials. There's all kinds of stuff in it, how to market the work. And it's going to be based on my own experiences, um, the own, the time-tested um, experiences of other artists. And we do it with, you get video modules where you can listen and watch the training and there's worksheets we have the private mastermind discussion group on Facebook. So the, those who are taking the course can actually interact with the other people in the course, look at what they're doing, hold each other accountable with their goals. And we do a monthly um, live coaching call on video where we you know, answer any questions people have and make sure that they're taking everything that they're learning and um, making it happen because that's a really hard part for us is acting on the things we're learning. So mm-hmm. I've mm-hmm. got that and some other things that are in development. But this is a big thing right now is the um, Artist Blueprint Plan. Nice. Very cool. So Natasha, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. And um, these are some fantastic tips on both Facebook and licensing. Um, and I really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk to everybody. Yeah, thank you for having me. I hope that it's helpful. Yeah, it is extremely helpful, and it's it's definitely got me thinking, so hopefully it'll get <laughs> other people thinking. Yeah, for sure. So if you want to find out more about what we talked about, there will be links on SavvyPainter.com. And Natasha, if you could just tell us where we can find the um, Art Careers Academy and you online, then we'll wrap this up. Yeah, definitely. You can go to ArtCareerAcademy.com. And to learn more about the the course Artist Blueprint, you can actually go there or go to its main page at theartistblueprint.com. Perfect. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Natasha. It was great talking to you. Thank you. 